Hello and welcome to My Abnormal Life Podcast, Episode 7. In this episode, you can expect to hear the ins and outs of dietary supplements, what to look for, and how you can navigate the very confusing world and figure out whether dietary supplements are an ally or an enemy. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to My Abnormal Life, you guys. Man, it has been a wild couple of weeks. And I know my voice hasn't been heard across the ether of the internet in in a while. And I wanted to get back to more consistently making some content for you guys. And the reason that I've kind of taken some steps back from recording content and and making these podcast episodes is I've switched to a to a new new job. And me and my my wife have been focusing on paying down credit card debt and getting our finances in order, you know, entering that that married life, that that new new world that we're exploring together. But this episode isn't going to be about married life or, or finances, but I'd rather like to talk about dietary supplements and things that I've learned over the years and some tips and tricks and really kind of dissecting what a dietary supplement is and and what to avoid things that are dangerous um you know what to look for in your supplements and how you can kind of break it down and make sense of it all because i think a lot of the supplement world is pretty confusing based off of fear and you know it's it's kind of hard to navigate so if i can kind of be a a liaison for you being able to translate and understand ingredients and and the labels along with all of the marketing and the garbage and the hogwash and claims that go along with it then my job is complete and I am satisfied but the first thing that I'd like to talk about is goal setting before I get too far into supplements and um, I think a lot of people when they set their goals they're more you know they're goal driven versus their results driven or their they're not so much focused on the outcome as they are towards the results and what i mean by that is you know when they get to their goal like just as an example say you set a a goal to lose 5 pounds by the end of the month then you lose those 5 pounds and you're kind of circling your head and okay i lost 5 pounds what should my next goal be? Should I make my goal to be another five pounds or should it be 10 pounds this time? So you decide, well, maybe I'll break the gap and I'll go for seven and a half pounds just for the sake of argument. And, you know, say another month goes by and you only lose six pounds and you start getting discouraged. And, you know, maybe the next month you, you say, well, you know, I didn't do enough to lose that seven and a half pounds. So maybe I should drop back down to five. And another month goes by and, you know, maybe you lose three pounds or you don't lose any weight at all. You start getting more and more discouraged and, you know, you don't have a basis or a plan and you start kind of plateauing and your weight loss doesn't go anywhere. Um, You don't really have any direction. Um, You start, you know, getting depressed and you feel deprived of you know any any sense of finding where your goals are going to match what you want 
And that's what I mean by results-driven and outcome-driven. And those two things don't always mesh or aren't mutually exclusive. And I believe that if your goals are more set to be outcome-driven, then you're more set up for success. And not focusing too much entirely on those results rather than the outcome of those results. Now that probably doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, but I hope that I kind of gave some some backdraw to what I'm about to bring up with you know, exploring supplements. Now the first thing that I want to bring up about supplements, and I'm going to keep this very general, I don't want to dive too far into specific ingredients or um, you know the the FDA regulation and non-adulterated labels and this and that and the other thing but I guess the the claims that companies make or um, you know we all know the the distribution of of products we all have a high school friend that that sells some sort of dietary supplement or an aid. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, a bad career path and I'm not trying to share an unpopular opinion, but maybe it is an unpopular opinion, but, you know, you buy a pack of these, you know, a 30 day self-help pack or these teas or wraps or, whatever the case may be, a stick of caffeine and you put it in your drink and you drink it for two weeks and you're supposed to lose this and this weight and it's all, and for lack of better terms, it's all bullshit and it's bad for you. And there's no causation to correlation. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's unwarranted claims stating that you'll lose this much weight or gain this much muscle or lose this much fat and retain this much muscle in this amount of time. And it's very based off of fear, fear mongering, you know, fear by consumption. And it's sad that a lot of the marketing in, in our day and age of instant gratification is, is based off of fear and, you know, our, our lack of patience and wanting things now, 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 rather than being outcome driven, you know, back to setting goals. But the causation of correlation is very, very missing in a lot of these products and the claims that companies make behind them. Uh, for instance, if I'm taking a product and I'm also starting to live a healthier lifestyle and I clean up my diet and start tracking my macros, or maybe I'm more in tune with my body and I'm intuitively eating and I know, um, you know, my gut health, and I know what foods I can eat, not to drive myself crazy, and, you know, say I lose 10 pounds of starting this program of, you know, buying a pack of one of these 30-day self-help kits to lose 10 pounds, okay? So maybe I lose, you know, 10 pounds in my first two weeks, all right, awesome, was it me changing my diet or was it the product that I bought? Was it the product that I bought? Was it that I started getting more sleep? Was it the fact that I started drinking more water? There's, you know, unless you change absolutely nothing about your regimen, there's no way to 
balance what is bullshit and what is not of these claims that are being made. And that's where you have to draw the line of caution. And a lot of people don't draw the line of caution because they have, you know, it's an emotional response to, you know, the results, you know. You're being very, very results-driven and not outcome-driven when you're setting these goals. And in a lot of ways, you'll hear me reference back to, you know, it all being ultimately where you see yourself ending up. You know, where where are your goals and what is your reason? Like, what's the why behind the goals that you're setting? And I believe, truthfully, if you don't understand why you want to reach those goals you know you don't you don't have the tools necessary to have a positive outcome because sure in 6 months maybe you can get ready for your wedding and and lose 30 pounds and have this many inches off of your waist but after your wedding how much more likely are you to put that weight back on maybe not all at once but if you cannot sustain that lifestyle in which you lost those 30 pounds, then how in the world are you going to hope to keep that weight off or sustain the body that you ideally want to create the image of? And it's honestly kind of sad peeling back, you know, the the superficial thought of feeling like you need to look a certain way to appease anybody and I've always been um, I've always been an advocate of you know who cares what other people think and it may be such a cliche to say that but you know the only person's opinion of yourself should be your own because you know yourself better than anybody else you know what you're capable of you know you can be unstoppable if you really want to be the only blockade that you're setting up is your own um you know we all suck at something we're all going through something in some way and you know who is anybody else to tell you what you can and can't go through or what you have and haven't gone through it's there's no comparison your level of thinking is never going to be a parallel to somebody else's level of thinking and your energy you know may or may not line up with somebody else's level of energy it's it's just a reality and a fact of life. There's there's no way to dispute that, and nobody should try to. And I think as humans, we're kind of flawed in that way, is that we do tend to judge one another, and you know, there's these preconceived notions about our first appearance of one another, and I don't think there's enough conversations happening about these types of things, and I think that's why these become stigmas and. You, we have these stereotypes floating around, and you know I'm I'm getting off on a tangent about stereotypes when I when I want to talk about supplements, but but back to causation and correlation. Um, you know, there's there's no way to clearly define the line of what causes these results and what doesn't. You know, you start this new. This new health kit, this pack, you bought a supplement stack from your local nutrition shop. You've got your macros drawn out. You start your first week. You're feeling awesome. You lose two to three pounds. And, you know, you take a body impedance measurement. 
your body fat is you know half a percent lower you're just feeling on top of the world and and you give all the credit to the supplement and you know some people i guess not everybody gives all the credit to the supplement but we tend to believe you know in our in our mind that our results end up coming from that supplement and you know maybe it has been an aid and i feel like we need to look at the root word and being that it is a supplement you know it's not the be all end all it shouldn't be the entirety of a fitness regimen it is to supplement and aid in your journey and the causation to correlation just it doesn't line up a lot of the times with some of these products you have to be real with yourself it's it's a supplement you guys it's it shouldn't be something that replaces hard work and grit and you know maybe i'm unlike most of the world but i would rather achieve something on my own accord than giving the credit to the, a product that some dude made in his basement with elephant snot and pixie dust and <laughs> that's that's an extreme it's a little bit of an extreme I'll admit but in a lot of cases that's not far from the truth you guys and it's I'll get into label reading and it's kind of scary a lot of you um you know may be surprised by some of the stuff that gets put in to these products and how they get away with it but the next thing that I'll that I'll get into is label reading and on a very basic level being able to read some of these ingredients that go into supplements is very difficult at times and I might even venture to say damn near impossible to pronounce some of the names of the ingredients that I've seen over my eight, nine years of experimenting and, and learning products for what they are and what they aren't. But reading these labels is, you know, there's there's some intricate parts of it, and it is, it's simple, but it's, but it's not easy. And, sorry guys, I'm, I'm getting notifications and sounds that are distracting. Anyway, reading a supplement label is, in a lot of ways, um, it is a, it is a it's a craft that you can train yourself. It's no different than reading a nutrition label and knowing the macro breakdown of of a food that you're about to eat. And I guess the simplest way that I can put it is when you're looking at an ingredient label, whether it be nutrition guidelines or facts on on a box of food or if you're looking at a supplement label, the FDA requires that the most present ingredient is at the top of the list and in descending order by volume, the ingredients following that need to be listed underneath. So for instance, if we're looking at, what's a good example that's 
that's not confusing the best way that I can put this for you guys. Say we're looking at a bottle of water and the top ingredient is um, obviously water, but sometimes they add minerals or or electrolytes in there. And obviously water will probably be the most present. And then underneath that they might list what compound breaks down to be that mineral um, or for instance if you're looking at milk and it's breaking down you know the the sugar or the casein or you know all that type of stuff but maybe if I could give you guys an example that would put it into context such as a protein powder that lists the types of proteins, whether it be um, whey hydrolysate or um, milk protein concentrate, whey concentrate, and say by volume, whey hydrolysate is the most present by volume in that product, and then following is milk protein concentrate. That way you know maybe not the exact, you know, gram per volume that you're going to get in each serving, but you know that that type of protein is the most present, if that makes sense. So if you're looking at a protein product and the first ingredient is a certain type of protein, you know that that type of protein is the most present out of all the types of protein in it. So breaking that down, if you're looking at say a a pre-workout and it lists the supplement facts and then underneath that are the ingredients if it lists caffeine anhydrous or any type of caffeine first you know that that product is loaded with stimulants and maybe stimulants are your game and you like feeling jittery but I don't so I've actually grabbed a protein product here, and I won't tell you guys what product it is or who, what company makes it, but just to give it even more context, at the top of this, it says protein blend. The first protein that's listed is whey protein concentrate, milk protein isolate, and then in a bracket, supplying micellar casein and whey. And then outside of the bracket is micellar casein, calcium caseinate. So I won't go too far into detail, but by volume, whey protein concentrate is the most present type of protein in this protein powder. And milk protein isolate would be the second and then descending on down. So if you're reading a label, a lot of you may already be educated in this, but um, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, reading a label, if you're going down the list... Um, those ingredients and on their way down in descending order are the least present ingredients. I hope that clears that up because it was kind of a, a tongue tumbler to get through all that and and motor mouth through it, but I hope that makes sense to, to everyone listening out there. Um, the next next thing that I'll talk about is absorption. And I think it'd be interesting 
as a subject to study, and there might be studies out there. I didn't do too much research on on absorption, but um, there is like clinical dosages of certain ingredients and supplements, and I've been thinking a lot about you know the absorption of these supplements and how much of it we actually do process and what gets stored in the liver and what gets broken down and what we excrete. And, you know, on a cellular level, say there's three grams of creatine in a pre-workout product, well, how much of that creatine are we actually using? Are we absorbing one and a half grams of that creatine and then the other one and a half gets stored in our liver? Or is it all breaking down all at once and we're using it all in one fell spurt? Or, you know, is there a difference between, you know, the way that you're genetic code is broken down and you can see how this could get more and more complex but to be general about absorption I don't think more is necessarily better when you're looking at at a supplement fact sheet I think better is better and you know you won't know what is best for you until you go through trial and error and for me in the past eight years you know trying I don't even know how many different pre-workouts I've tried, you guys. It's after working at GNC and trying so many different products, um, getting sick from products, um, unfortunately, it's just been a journey, and you have to take that journey. And you'll try things, and maybe you'll realize that supplements aren't for you, and you don't want to have to navigate through it and you get all of your nutrients from whole foods that's that's the ideal the ideal way to do it but you know some of us don't necessarily have the resources or you know the gall or the know-how to get all of our nutrients from whole foods or maybe we have certain setbacks that don't allow us to eat certain foods or you know whatever the case may be supplements are just as what what their name suggests dietary supplements they're to supplement your fitness regimen and you know, I talked about reading a protein powder label so you know get to getting to be more specific into protein I want to give you guys some tips and tricks of how to avoid being taken advantage of when it does come to these protein powders. So referencing back to this protein, this is one that I picked up because I've been in a pinch lately and I don't want to, um, you know, I normally order all of my supplements online and you know, I just went to Walmart and picked up, you know, we'll call it prototype supplement A for the purposes of, of this podcast, but the serving size in this protein is 42 grams and protein content per serving, what they're claiming is 26 grams. So there's quite a big difference between protein content and the actual gram by volume serving scoop. And a lot of people, you know, will just take that for face value and they're like, oh, 42 gram size scoop, that's freaking, that's a heckin' big serving size, man. That must be a lot of good stuff for me. And <laughs> be that as it may, um, you know, really breaking that down, it, it 
you don't know what that extra, what is that, 42 minus 26, that's almost another 20 grams, you know, what is all that garbage? And that's kind of scary because you cannot, unless you have a lab to dissect all of this, there's no way to know, you know, you can kind of subtract the the macro breakdown and, you know, there's eight grams of sugar, or sorry, eight grams of carbs, one gram of sugar, and, you know, it's it's really hard to justify where that extra almost 20 grams comes from. And a tip to know whether, you know, all that is garbage is to kind of look at the the amino acid profile, which this company doesn't really display anywhere. So it's a little bit harder to figure out how much of that is garbage. But it does say that there's 5 grams of BCAAs, which I'll touch on BCAAs a little bit later in the podcast, but it says this product contains 5.6 grams of branch chain amino acids that occur naturally in the protein. There are no added amino acids contained within this formula that are counted toward the total amount of protein listed on the label. Well, that's awesome. How am I supposed to completely believe that when <laughs> your serving size is 42 grams and the protein content is 26 grams? So if we're taking that for face value, 5 grams added to 26 is 31. You know, where is that other 11 grams coming from? There is also a digestive enzyme complex, but it doesn't disclose, you know, how many milligrams that is or how much of the volume of the serving size, you know, nothing. So, as you can see, you know, it gets a little confusing and you know the the normal person and maybe I'm not normal but you know I kind of want to know what I'm putting into my body and I don't get so wrapped up in in ingredients that it that I get so off-put by products and that I don't use them but it is concerning you know there's it's so hard to understand when something is not disclosed anywhere on a label which you know I understand why some people don't even take supplements altogether but a tip for you guys out there on reading some of these supplement labels if somebody is amino spiking because amino acids are comprised of nitrogen you know protein broken down is amino acids um, you know, in this case, I, you know, I'll play devil's advocate and say that this company probably is amino spiking because of the difference of the serving size and the protein content. Um, you know, the, the nitrogen of the protein is obviously going to be offset by, you know, maybe the nitrogen content of the branch chain amino acids you know maybe that takes away from the protein content and there's really 19 grams of protein and I don't want to throw too many numbers and confuse the point I'm trying to make here but 
you can kind of tell, it's very telling on a label if you know what to look for, especially the protein, but the difference between the protein and the, the serving size. Now, moving along from there, I know that was, that was kind of confusing for myself to even go through. The next product, I want to go through the more popular products. The next product that I'll talk about is pre-workout which, you know, gets a lot of beating of the chest, especially from, from men in the industry and fitness gurus and influencers and, and models and, you know, the, the shiny labels and, oh, I'll get ripped in 40 days and I'm going to bench 350 pounds in seven seconds. First time I hit the gym, I'm going to be so vascular that you're not even going to know who I am anymore. And... Again, the marketing behind some of these products, it's, it's insane. Like you'll go, like go into your local nutrition store and look at some of these products. Some of them are a little bit more tame and um, honest, but look at some of these products. The labels, they're made to be so shiny and eye-catching and Ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. And it's so impulsive the way that people buy some of these products without even looking at what's in them. It's mostly pixie dusting, I'm sorry to tell you. You know, these these companies are in the business of making money. They are a business. And that's just the fact of the matter. And I hold nothing against them. But, you know, they... They plea on the, the willingly ignorant, because that's what you remain to stay, if you just consume these products without educating yourself. And you know maybe you're comfortable with that. But if you're listening to this still, you know almost thirty minutes in, chances are you know you want to be a little bit more educated, and I'd be happy to educate you. Now, pre-workouts a lot of the time are regarded as nootropics or nitric oxide boosters, or non-stimulant-based, stimulant-based, and, you know, pre-workouts that are, if you've ever tried a pre-workout that's stimulant-based, you know what I'm talking about when I say that it doesn't provide you any sort of dilation, or, um, I guess I'll call it pump, for more simple terms. Um, It doesn't open your blood vessels all it really provides you is, you know, a short burst of energy, and then half an hour later, you're feeling jittery, you're feeling uncomfortable, your heart's beating fast, you know, it almost feels like palpitations. And, you know, some of the ingredients that companies are using to shortcut this are just cheap, cheap, shitty versions of caffeine that are delivered instantly, get into your bloodstream, and do nothing more for you than, you know, temporarily mess up your blood pressure and give you energy that doesn't last, doesn't make you concentrated. It just does the opposite. You're bouncing off the walls. You can't focus on your workout. You can't do anything other than, you know, hope you don't die. (laughs) And one of these ingredients is DMAA. And there's been a lot of controversy behind this ingredient since 2013 when a company, um, made a product called OxyElite, and the FDA, um, you know, confiscated, and they went into a legal battle, 
And all of this can be read online, guys. I'm not making this shit up. They confiscated um, all of the product, made them destroy it. And DMAA has, you know, reappeared as many different products, many different names with a lot of different claims on different bottles. You know, it's in pre-workouts still. And DMAA as a whole here... I want to pull it up for you guys because I still do not know how to freaking pronounce this. And it appears in many different names. Let's see here. Most commonly, dimethylamine, dimethylamine, amylamine, dimethylamylamine, blah, blah, blah. You know, and... It's used for attention deficit hyperactive disorder, so ADHD. And <laughs> supplements will list it as geranium abstract or you know, geranium oil, or they'll have like one one three dimethyl dimethyl blah 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 blah. You got you know, if you cannot pronounce <laughs> a supplement or an ingredient in a supplement, chances are you probably shouldn't be ingesting that into your body. Maybe just a, a code of ethics there. Um, it's very effective at what it does. Don't get me wrong. It will make you wired. It, it You'll accomplish some things on this stuff. But, um, you know, the, what are the adverse effects? There's, you know, unwarranted claims in both directions. You know, that it can cause heart attacks and cardiac arrest, and, um, you know, some people venture as far to say that it's a pseudosteroid. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'd go that far, but it's definitely very potent and very dangerous if used in the wrong dosages. And you know, some people just see that on the label, take it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have the best workout of all time. You know, I'm going to deadlift that 500 pounds whether it wants to be lifted up off the ground or not. <laughs> and it's it's funny, the, the ego-driven um, consumption that goes behind all of this. And, you know, to to talk about the, the positive effects of supplements and their negative drawbacks, you know, you can't talk about one without the other. Um, at least not in the pre-workout um the pre-workout segment of supplements and there is some clean ones out there and if you guys would like recommendations i don't want to get too much into certain products um you know i don't want to bash a certain company or get into some <laughs> legality battle and get a lawsuit on my ass but you know if you want to get away from supplements you could always just take black coffee and find a just a straight up citrulline, um, a citrulline supplement, or find citrulline, um, find a citrulline. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Capsule that you can take pre-workout, and basically what that'll do for you is it'll open up and dilate your blood vessels, so blood can flow more efficiently to your to your muscles so nutrients can flow through and water can flow through and you know the best vasodilator for 
a workout is water, in particular warm water. Um, I'm not saying drink warm water, but definitely stay hydrated. But, you know, maybe sitting in a warm sauna and getting, you know, opening up your blood vessels before a workout is not the worst idea. And before I move on to my next topic, which is BCAAs, um, I want to talk about proprietary blends and the, you know, the, the smoke and mirrors and the pixie dusting that goes on there. Um, you know, even the, the protein powder that, that I referenced to earlier, like that digestive enzyme complex, like that's no different than a blend. It doesn't tell you <laughs> how much of papain or amylase that they use, which are basically just dairy digestants, which I can understand because there's casein in this. But, you know, there's, how are you supposed to know how much of, or if that's even the compound that makes up the enzyme? It's it's scary. There's no way for you to know that. It's It's frustrating, honestly, but hey, if I die, you know, we've got this podcast to work off of, guys. You know, pour one out for the homies. Pour out some protein for for good old Brock here. Um, moving on. Let's not get too ridiculous here. BCAAs. What are BCAAs? What are even BCAAs? BCAA stands for branch chain amino acid. And, you know, most commonly um, known in their form as leucine, isoleucine and valine and you know as a whole these products have you know garnered their own realm of of controversy and what ratio is the best whether it's two to one to one or eight to one to one or ten to one to one or five to two to two like i have taken and seen you know pretty much every you know ratio that you can you can imagine and you know Usually leucine is the most present, being that leucine is the compound that is directly related to muscle protein synthesis, and there is many, 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 many studies, um, you know, documenting how effective leucine is at muscle protein synthesis and, you know, anabolic response in general, but um, breaking down BCAAs and, and their benefit is, you know, absolutely you know, they should be a go-to supplement. However, the three BCAAs that I just talked about on their own should not be only taken on their own. And what I mean by this is, you know, BCAAs being that leucine, isoleucine, and valine taken on their own, you just do not benefit in the way that you would from taking a um, amino acid product more focused on essential amino acids, not just branch chain. Now, the benefit of having essential amino acids present at the same time as branch chain is, you know, the, the protein isn't terminated. You know, once muscle protein synthesis happens, um, the branch chain amino acids elicit that response but your body breaks down that muscle protein to get that missing amino acid that the branch chain 
does not provide. So you're running in circles by just taking the three branch chain amino acids rather than having a product that combine completes rather that chain of amino acids, if that makes sense. So to review, only taking branch chain amino acids, the new protein is is essentially terminated. You don't benefit entirely from it. Not to say that you won't benefit from it at all, but you'll benefit more from it if you have all of the essential amino acids present. You, know, you will not lose nearly as much muscle mass and you'll retain that anabolic response that everybody seems to be wanting and that is projected and marketed by all of these branch chain products. You know, it's not about the ratio. No matter how many claims or advertisements that you see, you know, the 2 to 1 to 1 ratio of $60 tub of freaking branch chain amino acid or you're not going to have shredded six-pack abs, it's bullshit and it's bad for you. You know, not to quote George Carlin, may he rest in peace, but you know, that's what it is. It's bullshit and it's bad for you. And to break down what an essential amino acid is, is it's essential. The, the body cannot produce it, so you need to get it from, you know, an outside source being your diet or dietary supplements. You cannot naturally produce an essential amino acid. And an essential amino acid creates an environment you know, where muscle protein synthesis is productive, not redundant. You, you know, you don't create the new protein and then the acid, or sorry, the chain doesn't fall apart and you know, you're running in circles. It can be complete and provide you with the benefit of actually having you know, a, a response that's, that's desired by the body rather than taking these 10 to 1 to 1 or 5 to 1 to 1 or whatever it's it's ridiculous of sugar water it, like you're going to you're going to store some of this in your liver you're going to pee it all out or it's it doesn't make sense to me but you know if it, if it helps you get your water in like a lot of people use the excuse of, well, I take BCAAs because it helps me drink my water and it's not so boring to... Bullshit. It's... I don't know. I don't know, you guys. You try to justify it as much as you want, but there is countless evidence and studies that essential amino acids will always, always, always trump just taking BCAAs. Now, not to argue that point too much, but I just want to get that across. I think... At least in the bodybuilding world, that's one of the supplements that, that gets so much heat. And, you know, if I can fan that heat into educated heat, then, you know, take it for what it is, you guys. But, um, you know, an, an optimal blend, at least in my opinion, of essential amino acids, along with the branch chains, are taurine, um, because taurine elicits you know, a response of replenishing electrolytes. And, you know, taurine, if you've ever, you know, looked at Gatorade or Powerade, that's one of the the essential amino acids, you know, needed to replenish the nutrients that you lose when you sweat. So taurine, um, threonine, lysine, obviously valine, isoleucine, and then in its most present form, leucine, instantized if you can get it, um, 
phenylalanine, histidine, and methionine. Um, those essential amino acids will give you um, the heightened benefit of protein synthesis and retaining and gaining muscle mass. It's it's science, you guys. There's there once you unlock the potential of you know using supplements to your to your advantage you know it's it's similar to you know your money working for you let your supplement work for you um you know take them in their you know f- free form and you know get the edge on them they're they're meant to help you not hurt you and if you guys can take anything away from this entire segment as possible um let you know you spend your money on these <laughs> you know don't just piss it down the drain like a lot like literally all of it comes out of you and you don't use it um, be smart about it don't waste your money don't waste these supplements don't feed the egos of these CEOs of these companies that on purpose pixie dust these products so they're not effective they don't do what they claim to do and you know it goes into the fancy packaging they spend more on the packaging of these products you guys than they do in the actual ingredients (laughs) it's it's ludicrous that's what it is but to to tie this all together um, oh one more thing Uh, (laughs) a funny tidbit i was actually this amped me up even more to make this podcast. I was driving on my way home from work, and I heard this ad on the radio, and again, I won't mention any names or what company or product it is, but there's an ad on the radio for a product, and at the end of the the, the advertisement, um, the spokesperson that if you lose more than 10 pounds in your first week, come back so we can adjust your dosage. Well, the first of all, if you're losing 10 pounds in a freaking week, it's m- more than likely water weight. Um, there's no way that, you, <laughs> you know, that you're going to lose 10 pounds of fat in, in, in a week. And it's based off of, off of f- fear and, you know, society's instant gratification of, of wanting to lose as much weight as possible in as little as time as possible with as little as effort as possible. And they want that fast-track way of doing so. And I thought that was kind of comical to to market a product by, um, you know, a fallacy of losing too much weight in a short amount of time, um, you know, to what ramp up the potency of your product to get more people to buy it or have people mess up their metabolism permanently because it has ingredients in there that will literally f- fuck your shit up <laughs> I, I don't know what else the way to put it i don't mean to be you know so explicit on these but that's what it'll do you know ex- experiment some you'll you'll find out real quick what these products will do to your body you guys i've i've taken some of them and I let's just say I used to have very 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 bad anxiety problems and I used to be on antidepressants 
And I used to take these products in conjunction with those antidepressants, even though these products with, you know, um, recreational drugs caused and largely these adverse effects. And all of the signs can be there, but you can be so stubborn and ignorant to their effect that you continue to take them because you're not outcome-driven, you're results-driven. And I'll, I'll leave you guys with that. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, I know it's been quite a while, and I hope to be a little bit more consistent now that I've, that I've kind of found my groove at my new job, and it's been an exciting time for me and my wife. And I hope you guys can take something away from this and enjoyed it. Um, support the podcast, share it, tell your friends about it. Um, listen, listen to the previous episodes. I promise there'll be more. It's just, it's been hard, but um, you know, I plan to hold myself more accountable. Um, thanks for listening, you guys, and I'll see you next time.